0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. If you're visiting with us and you don't know, we've been in a series about prayer. We've been going over the Lord's Prayer in particular. and I'm actually gonna put the, the, the title of the message today is simply this, The Father Has a Way. And I'm gonna do a quick summary by looking at the Lord's Prayer. And you don't have to repeat these words after me. I'm just gonna summarize where we've been. Uh, But I put the Lord's Prayer in the King James Version because most people, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we know it in this translation. But the Lord's Prayer goes like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In that first Sunday, uh, we talked about how it's not just our father, but it's Jesus's father that now we can have a relationship with. And when you look at Jesus, one of his goals wasn't just to deliver us from sin, it was to deliver us back into right relationship with his father. And and it's not just that, that we can have this relationship with God, but that God's name is hallowed, meaning that God's name is set apart from all evil that would come into our life. And it's amazing. Now, the Lord's Prayer starts with praise and ends with praise and the middle section is petition. It's asking God for something. And that's essentially what prayer can be. If you wanna know what prayer can be like for you, you start with praise and you can end prayer with praise and in the middle, God wants you to ask. In fact, the next part of the Lord's Prayer says this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The lens in which we're asking God to move is that his will would be done. Now, if we're really honest, a lot of us would say we want God to make our will be done, right? That's the most honest prayer all of us in this room can have. Lord, let my will be done. May your power come and make my will happen the way I want it to happen. May you fix my spouse and have them be. Lord, may you grow my hair back in Jesus' name. You are sovereign in all creation. You just say, let it grow and it will grow luscious and thick. Glory to God. When my hair started falling out, I've fall, I listen, I've only ordered two things off infomercials. One was an air fryer. And by the way, that was awesome. And another one was a random hair growth product that never worked. Yeah. Glory to God. $600 of college money down the drain. All right. $600. Stupid hair. That's how much I wanted my hair to grow back. Anyway, are we being honest yet this morning? So we, We are, we, we, listen to this. It's thy will be done. And by the way, Jesus himself knows what this is like because he said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering from me. And yet not my will, but your will be done. So this is the prayer. We're asking God for his will. By the way, when you pray and you ask God for God, for his will to be done, I'm telling you, it may not always be what you expect it to be, but it's always best. The Father knows. Give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about how God is the provider God. And if you really trust that God is the provider God, you have to understand that God has the exact amount for what you need for the day. Nothing more, nothing less. He is provider. And then last week, and forgive us our debts as we are forgiven our debtors, which Jason did an awesome job talking about just the power and the importance of forgiveness. And this week... This is all of these are significant to me, these phrases, but this one right here is for me very personal. And so it's simply this and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then it ends with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we're going to end that last one next Sunday, and then uh, we're going to get a chance to celebrate what that is. And it's really cool. But in this prayer of the Lord series, but this one today, this phrase that we are going to look at and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All of these are personal to me, all of these have areas in which God has worked in my life or, or honestly challenged me in ways in which I've been wrong, changed my thinking in some things, but this one again is personal for me and I'm gonna get into this one by starting with a phrase that you're gonna be like, what? It says, remember, our Father who art in heaven, and then it goes and says, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So here's the first thought that's gonna seem like I'm contradicting scripture. I'm not starting a new religion this morning, so it's gonna be okay. Listen to me, ready? Here's the very first thought I want you to have. Our Father can't tempt us. Now I wanna explain this because this phrase can be significant. Now, let me just start off by saying this. In God's, uh, in, in Christianity and doctrine, we understand that God is a sovereign God, meaning that he is the supreme ruler over all things. There is no being that is greater than God himself. He is sovereign, and I think sometimes when we hear the word that God is sovereign, we tend to think that that means that because God is sovereign, God can do anything that God wants to do. And I'm here to tell you, sovereignty doesn't mean that God can do anything he wants to do. Sovereignty, I'll give you an example, ready? Sovereignty would say this, that God is the most supreme ruler that ever, ever was, is, or will be. No one can be above God. But there are things that God actually cannot do. Ready, here's one of them. God cannot go against his character. Now, we talk about how God is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, but I want you to know something. Let me give you a word, ready? It's kind of a bigger word. God is immutable. This means that God is. Cannot change. Now, when you read the, the New Testament, it says this God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, He is a God who is constant throughout things. Now, the reason why personally I love this is because when you open up the Bible, these stories happen long before you and I were ever born in cultures and in languages that you and I don't speak and in environments that we've never lived in. And yet the reason why we can examine this stuff and and walk in it is because even though those circumstances were different, there's one constant, God. Now God is immutable, meaning he cannot change. Now let's get, I want you to understand this because this is really cool, ready? The reason why this matters is, is this. If God could change, that means that God could improve. But because, Because he's so omnipotent and because he is so God, there's nothing that God can improve on. And so that means, therefore, that because God is so good, he is so amazing, he is so powerful, he cannot change, he's immutable, and he is tied to his character, meaning that he cannot go against the very essence of who he is. So his sovereignty doesn't mean that he can do whatever he wants, his sovereignty means he's a supreme ruler, and guess what? That supreme ruler is good. And he can't go against his character. Meaning that, listen, God can't ever stop loving you. Why? Because God is love. He can't. There's nothing you could ever do that would ever prevent God from loving you. And if you're a parent of a kid, you know, listen, the heartbeat of when a kid goes maybe down a wrong path that never stops you from loving them, it gives you a glimpse, a glimpse of how your heavenly father sees you. Now he's immutable and he can't change. Now I want you to see a passage of scripture here. This is one I read towards the beginning of this. Ready? Now, I want to explain this. James 1, 12, these verses are going to be on the screen 12 through 15. Ready? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. By the way, he's immutable, which means that God can't be tempted. He is simply always gonna be God. He's always gonna make the right choice in every environment because he can't help but always make the right choice because he's God, he can't change. By the way, let me just say this. The fact that God can't change is one of the greatest things that you and I have to hold on to. I've lived in seven countries, I've been in a lot of cultures, I've been in a lot of languages. Currently our nation is undergoing tremendous amount of change and we're wondering what do we hold on to, what do we do? You know what you hold on to? The immutability of God. And that's what Gabe spoke to this morning, of a king who sits on a throne that is unshakable. And, and, and so this is a great, actually, thing for us. But anyway, back to uh, James. Ready? Where does temptation, oh, sorry, actually, God has never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. Oh, actually, where was I? 13? All right, let's go back to 13. Huh? All, right, all right, here we go. And remember, we're going backwards a little bit, but remember when you're being tempted, do not say that God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And ready? He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires. Now I know you are perfect, holy in all your ways. You are good and amazing and beautiful, and it is awesome to see all the wonderful things that you do. But I am here to tell you something. I am very imperfect. I know that's shocking. I know that's shocking. I know that's shocking. <laughs> All of us are. All of us are sinners. All of us fall short. And so it says this, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Let me break down a little bit. So, so that word temptation in the Greek of what we just finished reading, lead us out into temptation, ready? It has a dual meaning. The first part of the meaning is temptation and what God's word would tell us is this. God actually doesn't tempt us. He doesn't actually tempt us. It's not what he would do. But we can fall into temptation because we have our own sinful desires. In my journey of weight loss, and by the way, I do a disproportionate amount of illustrations with food, I understand. In my journey of weight loss though, the greatest asset that I've found is logging my food, which is both the worst thing I've ever done in my life and the best thing in terms of wanting to lose weight because whenever you start actually logging, by the way, who has ever logged their food before in an app? All right, for those of you who don't know the pain of logging your food, when everything you eat you put in there and find out how much calories that thing is and and, and not just calories, but you break down the kind of food you're eating because not all calories are created equal, it gives you insight. In my journey of calorie counting and logging all my food, there's always a restaurant that drags me away into temptation. It's fortunately not in this area, which actually makes a big difference. It's a restaurant that my wife and I eat at sometimes once a year, sometimes once every two years, depending, it's a, kind of a, it's a national restaurant, but they only have them in bigger cities. And it's an Italian restaurant, it's called Magiano's. They have one in Charlotte. So even though there's not one in Greenville, Charlotte ain't that far away. And so, last year in September, after women's conference, my wife and I took a trip to Charlotte and we got a reservation for Maggiano's. And I went in to start logging my meal that I was gonna have at Magianos. Now, my, no, come on, we need to talk about this, this is important. So, like, you go to a restaurant where you don't just get an entree, Magianos is a place where you get an appetizer, you get an entree, and you wrap up with dessert, hallelujah. I logged in my appetizer, which is simply mozzarella marinara. It's these cheese mozzarella sticks. And I started off by logging that in, and that alone was 1,500 calories. (laughs) And I said, woo! Uh Then I went to my entree, they have a pasta known as Rigatoni D. And I was like, it's got chicken in there, it's got mushrooms, it can't be that bad. And it was like 2,200 calories. (laughs) And I was like, that's three and a half days right there. <laughs> and then I just gave up because I started to put in the dessert. It was like apricostata, which is like this apple pie thing with the crust and vanilla, homemade vanilla ice cream. And I didn't even want to know at that point. I just said, Lord, I'll pray to cast the calories out and you're going to bring deliverance from me. <laughs> so then I just completely deleted everything I logged. And I was like, if they don't know, it won't count. That's how that works. <laughs> That's, this is obviously silly and, and ridiculous And I, by the way, I enjoyed every ounce of that meal I didn't eat three days afterwards But that meal was delicious the, Listen to me God does not tempt you to sin He wouldn't, Think about this Your father only wants what's best for you in your life And he has told us over and over again in the scripture That sin leads to death He will never lead you down a path where you will find death. That is not the way of the Father. But what James tells us and what actually Jesus says to pray is this, but when you are tempted, when those temptations come from inside of you that you can't seem to manage on your own, guess what? You can call out to your Father and your Father knows where you are and he can give you what you need to be able to make it out of that temptation. In other words, let me tell you another way. You don't have to do it by yourself. And a lot of things that we do that sin happens when no one else is looking. It starts in here and it goes into here and it happens when darkness falls. By the way, it's amazing how much sin happens when darkness is in the room, isn't it? And that's why Jesus, that's why Jesus said the light came into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. And there's freedom in the light, but there's not freedom in the darkness. But Jesus says, lead us not in temptation. What he's saying here, the first part of this meaning, meaning is this, is that when you are tempted, you are not alone. You can cry out to your father and believe and trust in him. There's a story that's kind of a, 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 a legend of sorts or just kind of a story you may have heard before. It's about a native Indian chief who had his son come to him and his son had come to him and his son had been saying, I've been having these nightmares, dad. And at night when I go to bed and when I sleep, in my nightmares I have these two wolves that are fighting each other. There's a good wolf and a bad wolf and I can definitely tell which one is which. And he goes, it seems like they're battling and fighting to the death. And he comes to his his father and he says, what do I do with these dreams? And the chief looked at his son patiently and wisely and said, son, the wolf in your dreams that's gonna win the fight is the wolf, and you probably have heard this, that you feed the most. And so it's just a, it's a, it's a proverb, it's a story, and it tells us what we, what we give attention to and time to is gonna make a difference, and that's how sin works. That when we allow sin in here, and we, don't do, we, we just let it go free and wild, what happens is that begins to feed the side of us that we know leads us down wrong paths. Let me give you one thought that can lead down wrong paths, ready? When we believe that what we are missing is better than what we have, That one thought is gonna lead you to to do things that you know you shouldn't do, to get what you think you should deserve and to do it in ways that you know you shouldn't do it. And I have seen that happen over and over again in different contexts. It's affected me in my life. When we begin to feel like what we're missing is better than actually what we have, we give ourselves permission to go down dark paths. But you know what? Jesus said, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in this room, there's a lot of people who are flirting with going down dark paths. And I'm here to tell you something. You came to church today to find out that there's a father who can actually save you from that path. And by the way, who has been saved from a dark path before? Anybody? Anybody have a testimony about God? Who? And this is Jesus and he's telling us, hey, you can make it through. It's possible. So I want you to understand something. Our father cannot tempt us. Let me give you another thought. Ready? Let me give you another one. Our Father also won't mislead us. Our Father won't mislead us. That word temptation actually carries a dual meaning in the Greek. It talks about temptation, but our temptation comes from inward selfish desires. That's only a part of it. But there's another part of it, which means testing, which is why James in the passage we just read, testing and tempting. And now let me ask you a question. Listen, God is never gonna tempt you, but do you know something? God 100% will test you. Because in the Bible, it talks about God testing you over and over and over again. Who would it say that God has tested them before? Anybody? A couple of us? All right, a lot of us. By the way, in case you're wondering about God's testing, let me show you a verse. This is with Matthew chapter one. Look at that. You may have never seen or recognized this before. Ready? Matthew one this happened to Jesus, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And the way you can look at that is the Spirit of God led Jesus to be tested. So if you wonder, will God ever, ever test? I'm here to tell you something over and over again. James, by the way, that same chapter in James, count it pure joy when you encounter various trials. Why? Because you're being tested. And by the way, It's not the default setting to count it pure joy when you're being tested. That's like the last setting in the thing. When you're being tested, the default setting is, God, why? The heck are you thinking, God? Do you not see what I'm dealing with down here? And so that very same passage, will God 100% test us? 100% God will test us. Jesus himself was tested. The father allowed the son to be tested. And I would make an argument that in scripture of the men and women that God used, he rarely used anybody without testing them first. And the Bible talks about being refined as gold, going through a purification process where God actually addresses the things in our life. If you look at Joseph, Joseph had the dream in which his brothers were gonna bow down to him. That's a pretty cool dream to have as a teenager. When your older brothers are going to bow down to you. Do you know what happened to Joseph in his life? He went to jail. And then he came out. And sure enough, later in his life, his brothers bowed down to him. But it wasn't the same Joseph. Why? Because Joseph had been through the fire. David is anointed king. And what happens to David next? He has to run from his life and live in caves. And then finally, when David becomes king, is that the king he would have been without the caves. Paul gets saved on the road to Damascus and we don't know the full story, but we know that Paul had some time away where he was worked on by God and then he came back and wrote and lived and built into the church. My point is this, is that you see that those people that God uses, he also tests. So if you go through testing in your life, I want you to know something, God has incredible plans for you. And nothing in God's world is ever wasted. So the Spirit of God leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. Now, why would God do this? Well, number one, God the Father knew that his son would be victorious. And it's a whole separate message to look at the way the enemy tempted us. I'll also say this, ready? The enemy knows when to come into our life. It's the moment in which we're weakest. It's in the testing period in which we often can walk away from God in which we don't hold on. The enemy is lying in wait, seeking whom he may devour, the Bible says. And so Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tested, Satan's waiting there, and by the way, they have this, these verses in which they dialogue back and forth. Satan knows the Bible. And Satan used the Bible on Jesus. But how do you use the Bible on the Word, who is? The Son of God. Jesus responds back, it is written, it is written. How do you gain victory over the enemy? Not on your own strength, but by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. You have to know the word in order to be able to survive that temptation. But anyway, the, the testing part of it, it's absolutely significant. But I want you to see why in the world would his heavenly father do this? I want you to look at a verse in Hebrews 4.15. This is gonna be on the screen, ready? This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. This is one of the most beautiful passages you can see. Why did, the, why did the father allow his son to be tested in the wilderness? Why? So that later on in life, when you and I are going about our business and, and, and we are in our testing or we feel like things are coming against us or temptations are in our life, do you know what happens? When we cry out to God in Jesus' name, we don't cry out to a God who doesn't know what it's like to be hungry because he was hungry. We don't cry out to a God who doesn't know what it's like to be rejected because he was rejected. We cry out to a God who understands because he lived it himself. How awesome is that? So why did the father allow the son to be tempted? Why? So that when we call out to the father, he says, I know what it's like. Listen, I've used this illustration before. When I was a kid, sometimes my parents would talk to me and they would say, I would say, well, why why do you think this is the best thing to do? And they would say, when I was your age, I experienced these things. And I would say, but you don't know what it's like today. And I said, I would never use that phrase on my kids. Uh (laughs) I got three of them. So when I go to say, don't do this, like, why can't we do this? Because when I was your age. Uh So we go to God and we say, God, why, why can't we do this? Jesus says, because I've lived on this earth. I know what it's like. And I'm here to tell you that the way to life is a narrow path and it's the way to walk. Go down this path. It's this incredible thing. Listen, will God test test us? Absolutely. Will God tempt us? He will not tempt us. But But listen, in God testing us, I'm here to tell you something. The Father will never mislead you, ever. Now, the reason why this is, okay, so I've been fired twice in my life. The first time I was fired, I was in college and I got hired for a summer to paint. And I was working with a guy and I was the worst painter he had ever hired in his life Now before I started working he goes this is great whenever you come home for college you can come and we can paint It's going to be great. This would be a great study job for you At the end of that summer he came to me and he said you cost me five cents every hour you work for me He was so angry at how bad of a job I did at painting that he literally went home with the calculator and figured out how bad I was And then he never called me back to ever help him paint again Legitimately though i'm horrible with painting Sean, our kid's pastor here, was fixing up a house one time, one of his, and they were getting ready to move, we were fixing up a house, they were getting ready to, 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 I don't remember, do something with it, and he had some volunteers come over, I, I volunteered, I went over to paint, and after about five minutes, Sean asked me to go do something else in the house. He said, Jeremy, thank you for being willing, please just don't do this ever again. And mysteriously, I never get invited to paint, whenever there's a project in the church, I'm just, oh, anyway, I got fired from painting. But the other time I got fired in my life, I was serving as a senior pastor in a church. And this is before Renovation Church ever existed. And when I started serving as a senior pastor, the Lord gave me this phrase, don't fight back. And so I'm serving in this capacity. This is before Renovation Church existed. And before I came, one of my Nicaraguan staff members came to me and said, Jeremy, the Lord told me that the next part of your life is gonna be very difficult. But if you look to him, he's gonna carry you through it. I said, don't ever give me a word like that again. That's the stupidest thing I've heard all day long. I was like, okay, fine. Sure enough, I show up in an environment and it's the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. And I said nothing to anybody. I preach on a Sunday morning. On a Tuesday morning, I'm fired. Fired, I actually got fired in an email on a Monday night. I'm in the office on Tuesday morning when I actually see the email and I see that I'm fired. Let me actually show you a picture. This is let me just let me, let me give you a picture. This is at my grandmother's house in Eastern North Carolina. This is not long before I actually was this is not long before I was fired. The amount of pain that I was experiencing in my life, I cannot I cannot I've been I was abused sexually when I was a kid. That comes that that pain comes nowhere near what this was like. And I remember Saying God, even in this pain, I will do whatever you want and, I, and and the lord said don't don't fight back, say nothing to nobody and there were some pastors who were part of the board, and they were mediating, and so I had submitted myself under those pastors by the way I have a that 's a, that's a, that's a, a four year old little girl or and, and then a, like a i don 't know how old my chunky monkey is in that place but I, I literally, sometimes I can't even remember this. I was in the most pain I've ever experienced in my life and I wondered, God, where the heck are you? And God just said, just hold on, I've got this. And I said, okay. So I get fi- I preach on Sunday, I get fired on Tuesday and I'm wondering, God, where are you in this process? And then a bunch of stuff was said about who I am. You ever have anyone talk bad about you? Oh, yeah. Like bad, bad about you? And not once did I stand up and say, "Well, let me defend myself," because God said, "Don't." And I am telling you, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I kept my mouth, whoop, and I kept taking punch after punch after punch after punch, and I said nothing. But in that, let me. You know something I discovered? It's my next point. Ready? Our Father will never mislead us. But let me give you a follow-up point. Ready? Our Father will deliver. He's able to deliver. So I get fired. (laughs) And then 24 hours later, I had submitted myself to the pastors who were on the board. And 24 hours later, I get reinstated as pastor of the church. And I preach that following Sunday. So I I preach, I'm fired, I'm reinstated, and I preach. And the church had no idea what happened (laughs) midweek. Because God deliver us. Now let me show you a follow-up picture. This is my family. Now this is Mother's Day this last year. This is us. This is years later. And by the way, this is the best picture we had. We took several. Let me give you an idea. Here's another one. Here's the follow-up one. Can anyone look at the camera? Like honestly, I'm like, there were so many other wacky ones but I didn't have time for all that stuff. Can we go back to the, other, the picture before? So I, I debated about <laughs> telling the story. I want you guys to be mature believers for a second, okay? Don't send me an email about this. <laughs> don't send me an email. I feel an email coming my way. So when I got fired, we had, we had a no alcohol policy, and that's great. We, we had that old policy. Now, I don't drink, so I don't really care. Like, but my, my wife likes to have a glass of wine every now and then, okay? And, and I'm not here to advocate one way or the other. You do what you feel like is there according to your beliefs. There's no drunkenness. We don't allow that. My wife has never been drunk in her life, but my wife likes to have a glass of wine. So I get fired on Tuesday and I I tell my wife, I'm like, well, well, sweetie, you can have a glass of wine now. And my wife in that picture looks at me and says, I'm not gonna have a glass of wine until you're put back in as pastor and you change the rules so that I can have a glass of wine. And I said, I got fired. (laughs) By the way, let me... My wife and I were $30,000 in credit card debt and I had no idea how I was gonna feed my kids. None. We had no money. We weren't even surviving paycheck to paycheck. We were surviving like on fumes. I, and I get fired. And I wondered, God, where are you and where are you in the midst of this and what is it that you're doing? And so we're sitting in our house and I'm like, well, baby, you can have some wine. And she goes, I will not have wine until you get reinstated and you change the rules. And I said, you are crazy woman. She goes, no, God is able. 20, less, than, less than 24 hours after she made that statement, I get put back in as pastor. And one of my first actions is to say, you can have a glass of wine if you'd like. On Wednesday night, my wife and I sat down and she opened up a bottle of wine and she said, our God is able to deliver and do all things. And here's the thing, not once did I have to get up and to say, let me tell you about my side of things. I didn't do any of that. Why? Because the God that I serve is able to deliver in the midst of the trials. So this verse, when I look at this, I'm here to tell you something, is one of the most intensely, deeply personal things that there could be. Now, what ended up happening is the Lord opened up the door for us to be able to launch renovation. And I'm here to tell you something. Now that I see what God is doing in the midst of renovation, church, I'm here to tell. You, but who remembers those days? Anybody? Anyone in the room? A lot of you guys have no, Listen, I'm here to tell you something. That picture right there. That is a testament that when you are willing to walk on God's path, you know what happens? God will never fail to deliver. And the battles don't have to be ours. They can be fought by a heavenly Father who will never mislead you and who's always able to deliver you. Your job is simply to be obedient to Him. Why? Now, your father can't tempt you to sin, but man, when you're in a trial and you know what happened, we launched Renovation Church. I want you to know we've had some hard things at Renovation Church. We are a very imperfect church. We are messed up in all kinds of ways, but we're growing towards something special that God wants for us. I'm here to tell you something. When we went from one church to two locations, that was the most complicated thing I've done in ministry, but it wasn't the hardest because I've been through the hardest and nothing will hold a candle to that. And when I was at that dark place, God was there with me. Who else has a testimony that says that when you were in the midst of a trial, God came and showed up? Anybody in this room? Now think about this. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he says this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The disciples could not have known that Jesus would give his life on the cross. Why? So that anybody who calls out to the name of Jesus, the Father will heal him because the veil in the temple was torn in two. And now you and I have access to the Father. And when we ask forgiveness from sins, we are forgiven. Why? Because the blood that was shed on the cross. So how are we delivered from the evil one? Because the Father so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. How good is Jesus? and lead us not into temptation. So when we do fall into temptation, when we do fall into sin, that God never tempts us into, you need to know something. God is able to forgive you and make you right as snow. And then on top of that, when you are tested by God, God is working something in you and for you. It's so that God has a plan for your life so that nothing will be wasted. You can have a testimony that says, I trusted in him and he carried me through. And this is my testimony. Look at what God is doing at Renovation Church and I say thank God that you know more than I do because I would have given up long ago and that's what testing is. Holding on to God when you don't know what's gonna happen but for those who hold on and then see God come through, you have something that is precious and beautiful. But here's the caveat, ready? Here's my last thought. If we pray. And this is this is your part. God has his part. So when I was really in a in a tough place in my life, I was angry with God and because I was angry with God, I cut myself off from God. I know you would never do that. I got you. You're perfect. Hallelujah. Glory to You. You know what happened in my life? I had I had an issue in my life that God had to resolve. And God had to smack me upside the face and say, Jeremy, what's your problem? And, I, and, and by the way, the, the, the thing that Jason preached on last week, forgiveness, he had to deal with me with that too. Both to ask for forgiveness and to be able to extend forgiveness. By the way, forgiveness is not a conditional arrangement from God for us. In other words, it's not a, we are called to forgive. And a separate message, forgiveness and trust, by the way, are also two different things. You're called to forgive. You're not called to trust always. That's a whole separate thing. I'm already over by a lot. But I'm here to tell you if you cut yourself off from God, you won't pray. And the delivery, when God can show up, when God can move, or when God can work, I want you to know that God has his part, but you have yours. If we pray. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm here to tell you something. Whatever path you might be on in front of you, whatever thing you have to face, whatever thing you might be going down, the heavenly father, ready, has a way. But you have to pray and you have to trust that his way is gonna be better than your way. Why? Because his will be done and not yours. Let's pray. Dear heavenly father, I know that I have fallen short so many times in my life. I know, Lord, that I have fallen into sin. I know, Lord, there's been times in which I have gone down dark paths and yet your grace and forgiveness wasn't giving me permission to sin, but it was renewing me and setting me on a right path to walk a life that is set apart for you. And God, that when you test or when you bring something about, God, that you You do it in such a way so that you get the, you teach us from the core of who we are that you are enough for us. My hope and my prayer, God, is that regardless of how we came to church this morning, that we would leave with the understanding, God, that you can lead us and be with us even in the midst of temptation, even in the midst of testing, and we never have to walk through any of it alone. We can cry out to Abba Father. We can cry out and say, God, help us, deliver us, walk through with us in this. God, you are more than able. You are enough for us, and we simply have to trust in you. So, Lord, let us praise your name. Let us follow you. We love you, Jesus. Your mighty name we pray. Everyone said? Church, we love you. Have a great day. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.